So, we're here with Barry Ashworth with the Dub Pistols and all the other things that you do. I was going to bring up the um, Mucky Weekender in a bit and talk about, talk yeah. about you creating your own festival. Um, how's it going? I was going to say still on the road, but it sort of never stops, does it? We never really stopped being on the road, have we? You know, um, yeah, no, life's really good. Um, you know, we're just sort of coming to, we're just coming to the end of, um, we've written the next album. Um, our eighth studio album and we're just sort of getting to the end stages of mixing that down at the moment so um, how do you obviously we'll get into the year and the album that we're going to talk about in a bit how do you where you're on the road so much how do you find time to get in the studio do you write most um, of it on the move no we don't write on the on, on, on the road we, we tend to write in the studio um, to be honest it, it, you know as much as we, we tour non-stop we don't tend to tour much midweek Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday so um, that kind of gives us three days um, when we're awake um, to, to try and get some studio time together. Yeah. And obviously tonight, you said on the way up, you're going straight off to London's DJ. And then yeah, the I mean, I mean, tonight's one of those odd ones. I mean, you know, I was a DJ first and foremost. Um, you know, that's kind of how the Dub Pistol started and developed that of me being a DJ yeah. and... Of me not being a DJ and uh, <laughs> needing some noises to go over the atrocious mixing at the time, um, so that was kind of like started bringing musicians. Billy, um, Bill Burroughs over there being one of the first people to sort of play with me and um, in not in a, not in a um, compromising <laughs> way, but um, musically um, playing together and performing together. And the Dub Pistols kind of started like that. Really, it was more like a DJ. You know, our first album. Point Blank was very much like a beat-led yeah. um, album, really. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't until Six Million Ways to Live that we really started concentrating more on writing songs, and the band sort of developed out around that period. How much has the the lineup changed over? Because you've been going twenty two years now. Twenty. You've been going nearly my whole life, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then almost nearly my whole life. Um, <laughs> now. Uh, the lineups changed. It, 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 the lineup changes con constantly. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, obviously, um, Johnny Billy's been with me and written with me from you know from the early days of Point Blank, um, and is now our sound engineer as well as my writing partner. Um, Johnny, our guitarist, has been pretty much since we sort of did the band thing, has been ever present apart from when he got sacked for three years for being a raving alcoholic Sounds like couldn't a whole find other his guitar <laughs> um, you know and he's recently you know come back and sorted his life out and uh, you know it's, it's a pleasure to have him back I think we've all just grown up I think back in those days yeah. we were fucked hard do you know what I mean so um, we've kind of grown up and um, obviously other people have come and gone you know people grow you know people decide they've got better things to do with their lives like have children and get married and you know than sit in a tin can driving around um, getting drunk every night um, you know so it seems the, 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 you, right. the things change and, and, and people coming out and go but um, the band we've got at the moment I think pretty solidly been together for the last five years yeah probably in the last few times I've seen and, they, and it's only ever changing the odd member here and there and it's like like I say people will drop out but generally there's a squad of other people that have been in and come in and yeah. are around you know, and, and, and yeah and, and it's always nice to bring back people who've um, 
been away for a while and, and you know it's like you know the old band back together again and then it's the old band's the new band and the new band's the old band it's, it kind of gets blurred <laughs> can't keep up no cool so shall we we'll get into it now yeah so uh, on station session we usually like to sort of kick things off with a bit of an off the cuff question that we don't really prepare you for right um, it's just basically do you remember the first piece of music that you were obsessed with Something that really took your eye back in the day, or your ear back uh, in the day. Obsessed with, I mean, I think, like, really, for me, it would be the sort of punk era. Um, you know, going out and buying, buying the punk sort of... You know, I was a massive Style Council fan. I was a massive... Not Style Council fan, I was a massive um, Paul Weller fan. Yeah. The Jam, yeah. uh, the Specials. Sex Pistols I was mad about uh, any, any any early sort of punk stuff I was pretty obsessive about and I got really into my sort of green sleeves and um, reggae quite early on as well so through you know, the punk like. through the punk it was like yeah it was like you know it was bands like The Clash yeah, really the obvious one that, that took you down that route and obviously the specials as well yeah. um, and just used to go up Petticoat Lane and by all the imports that were coming in at the time and things like that, so yeah, I guess that was my real first mad sort of passion musically. Yeah. How did that sort of? Did it just naturally develop into DJing or? No, DJing and things came much later. I think the early the early years were just purely being a fan. Do you know what I mean? Buying music, um, loved get, getting to the shop early, getting the the tunes early as you could. You know, getting to see those bands. Um, the DJ thing came much later. That was sort of like you know I started in '87, went off to Ibiza, um, pre-season, summer of love. Took a load of pills in Ibiza and never went home. <laughs> Is it right? <laughs> you know you fancied yourself as a footballer back in the day. Yeah, no, I, I always, I mean, I mean, football's football's like my religion. Yeah, um, Liverpool, my team, my family are Scousers. I'm the first generation Mockney. Um, <laughs> Um, and you know, and growing up, being football was all, all, all I, you know, that I loved it. To you know, I used to play every day of the week, um, and yeah, I mean, everybody fancies themselves as a footballer. I ended up playing in the non-leagues for Kingstonian and Dorking, and I broke my leg and went off to Ibiza to recover. Never looked back. Ibiza to recover. And never went home. <laughs> yeah, basically, never recovered. <laughs> Still nursing the injury. Yeah, it was just you know. Ecstasy wasn't really, you know, nobody really knew what ecstasy was at that time and then taking it and, you know, it, it just, like I said, it just totally changed your life. It, it Suddenly everything was loved up, um, everybody was loved up and just I started throwing parties and it, it just took me in a totally different direction. Right. So, and, you know, and from that, running clubs. Was that back in London? That was back in London. I used to run a club um, with some friends in Streatham called Ziggy's, and then we ended up doing a club called Naked Lunch, where Darren Emerson from Underwell was our resident. Um, Chemical Brothers used to come and play for us for fifty pound. Um, you know, everybody. I went. You know, everybody in their auntie at the time. Um, you know, Naked Lunch was one of the biggest club nights in in London, if not in the country. There was like. You know, we run the SW1 club, which became Pasha in Victoria. We used to run uh, Cafe de Paris, uh, the park in Kensington. We sponsored, you know, parties at film studios. And that was kind of really like, you know, that was what I wanted to do. And I remember when DJs started charging £350 and I thought everyone was getting greedy. Yeah. 
you know, and, and, and thought like, wow, you know, this will never last. Yeah. It's just gone up. And yeah, up and up. You know, this was a cottage industry. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. Cool. So, um, what year did we give you, and did it suit? Were you, happy you gave me nineteen ninety five. Is that a good year for us to I give you? I think it was a fantastic or? year musically, and yeah. obviously was quite into. I would say, like, obviously quite into my. I was get, get, guess I was getting midway through my twenties then. Um, the dance scene had really exploded. Um, the band that were really doing was, I guess, they used to call, they would call it Progressive House at the time. Um, not like Progressive House of now, but it, you know the 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 pioneers of that sound would be like Justin Rumson, Slam, Fabi Paras, but the, the the people that were making for me the the, the definitive album at, at that time. Um, it wasn't the Chemical Brothers; it was the it was Leftism. Do you know what I mean? That album just blew my yeah. mind. Um, Paul Daly and Neil Barnes, together as a partnership, were absolutely out. You know, were outrageous. I was lucky enough to be um, recording in Rollover Studios where they made it um, with a young guy called Ollie J, um, was their engineer at the time, and I used to be in the studio and hanging out there, and I used to hear it, and it was just like absolutely mind blowing. Do you know what I mean? So uh, uh, the next question was, was going to be, how did you come across it? Obviously, if you're literally there during well, the making I, I of knew it. Paul used to work in a Paul used to DJ for me anyway, and he worked in a record shop in Camden. I can't remember the name of the Zoom Records in Camden. Paul used to work there, so he was he became a friend. And like I said, and Lisa ran, who was managing. She was one of my best mates, and she went on ended up being my manager as well. Um, so I was quite lucky to hear it from its very sort of. Um, you know, start from the start really when it first started kicking off for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so yeah, hearing it in its very infant stages. <laughs> Did it change a lot uh, over the course um, of the recording? No, I don't think so. I think the production was like next level compared to everything else that was being done at that time. I think yeah. the, you know the recording of it was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, check one with De- um, Cheshire Cap absolutely mind-blowing track release the pressure you know just absolutely out of this world and then obviously you know uh, open up with John Lydon yeah I was gonna were um, you in the studio when John Lydon came in no was unfortunately it, I wasn't I've met John a couple of times but I wasn't actually there when he did that but I remember I mean I was a massive Sex Pistols fan so the thought of Leftfield and John Lydon making a record together was like you know I was in, you know, I was in appeal as well and yeah it, it just yeah it was just the idea of that just blown my mind and then when I heard it it was just like yeah it was everything you thought it would be and wanted it to be and more do you know what I mean and I think the best thing about it was the fact that when they released it um, Los Angeles was literally burning to the ground yeah. do you know what I mean you know it was Hollywood was on fire do you know what I mean and I just loved the line burn Hollywood burn taking down Tin town it was just like yeah it was just brilliant yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant record. Obviously, it, it sort of, I don't know if it broke into the mainstream or it was always sort of there waiting to, but it charted and... It number it one, was, wasn't it? I think it went yeah, straight in at number singles one. singles that were like up in the, the top the, ten the, and they it, were up It wasn't playlisted on Radio 1. I think that was partly parcel to what was going in Los Angeles. But yeah, it just smacked it out of the park. Yeah. They were the, the band of the moment. Could you, you always sort I mean? of tell that was going to gonna happen or you, you always hoped you it expecting? would happen you would always hoped it would happen do you know what I mean and knowing Paul and Neil as I did 
Do you know what I mean? I couldn't have been happier for them. And Lisa, the way they'd done it was just absolutely perfect. You know, they built it so well. Do you know what I mean? So it was such an underground sound. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it just, you know, and it wasn't a pop record like anything else that was in the charts at that time. And it was just that's that was the power of dance music at that stage. Do you know what I mean? That it could. I think dance music CDs were sort of breaking in at that time. Yet dance music was selling more on vinyl, yeah. uh, rave. Do you know what I mean? Than, than 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 mainstream CDs were. So yeah, no, he absolutely smashed it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favourite track on the album? I think it changes all the time, like I guess any good album does. Yeah. I open up, obviously, for obvious reasons of Leiden, but Check One is absolutely, you know, that's got to be like up there as, it's between those two as my favourite. I think as well, the thing was that when, because they could have gone to America and absolutely blown America apart, and they did, they refused to do it, and the prodigy obviously went and did it. Yeah. And blew 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 America up and ended up world domination. <laughs> Leftfield were very much into. They had to take their sound system with them. They had to make sure that it was sounding absolutely perfect everywhere they want, which made the touring side of it basically <laughs> impossible. So, you know, back then they didn't do that many live shows. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't. You know, Neil was the Paul was the DJ, and then when they did do them, they were something special. Do you know what I mean? They really were. So you know. It sound wise was just unbelievable. Yeah. Do you um do you still listen to it now? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we quite often um Billy will often quite often get check one up as a reference to when we're checking us yeah. before when we're sound checking. So yeah, I mean I it's one of those it's a timeless album as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And obviously you associate it with Good Times. Yeah, being in the studio and is there yeah, anything else that sort of stands out as a memory from that? No, I, 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 I interviewed them. I was lucky enough when they did the Homeland show. Um, they asked that they were doing Channel Four were doing some filming and and they were, uh, Channel Four wanted artists to interview artists and I was lucky enough that Leftfield requested that I actually did the interview with them. So that was like you know quite special for them just to have come off stage, just to have blown up Homelands and then to sit down with them and have a chat with them about it. Amazing. Do you think it? Um we always ask whether it influenced, and obviously the Dubbers were started a year after the '96 that you started officially. Gigs I, I don't, yeah, I don't think. I mean, something like a record like that can't help but influence you. I think it more influences me now than it did at the time, because the thing that I got into was the the break scene. Do you know what I mean? That was you know the Chemical Brothers. I mean, I was into my dance music, I was into my house music, but. Just shortly after that, 97, I think, was the first Dub Pistols record. So it was a couple of years afterwards, and I just started to get bored of the mainstream house sound because it became very generic and it became very sort of cheesy, if you like. So then Chemical Brothers came along um, with a song to the siren, or they were the Dust Brothers at the time, and it was like suddenly there was this new, fresh sort of electronic sound, and it was that that was the big influence on the Dub Pistols at that stage. Right, and obviously drawn... It's quite a lot of scar influence, and I guess yeah, that, that came later. Punk. I think you know originally the first the first point blank was very much about being a breakbeat record. Do you know what I mean? Not in a big beat style, um, but more in a breakbeat style. It wasn't like point blank wasn't like a happy clappy Norman Cook record. Cyclone was obviously like a turning point because that was yeah. you know that was our big hit. 
and that was the sort of first time we really started to get to terms with doing a whole song rather than just doing a <laughs> sample. Yeah. So even though that was a big Tommy McCook sample, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it wasn't the whole song, wasn't the sample. Cool. So we um, as well as the album, we also because we create a bit of a bubble, and you could for listening to it just think well, that was always going on so we also do a, a bit of like notable mentions we call it which is right. just other stuff that came out at the time is there anything else that you remember I, or that you considered sure. god I, I I can't remember because obviously trying to remember years yeah it was, only, yeah, that's difficult. Know, it, it was very different, difficult I think was Exit Planet Dust out about it was, that yeah. time see was I'm it? lucky because we've got a list was, in front it, of us it was going to be a toss up <laughs> between then yeah so um Yes, that was not. So that was, you know, that was that was another big, big, big record at the time. Do you know what I mean? I mean yeah. that again just shows you, you know, the quality of dance music that then was being made. But alternative to what was, you know, like to say the cheesy house stuff that was penetrating the charts, like you, you know, you um, Urban Cookie Crew and God knows whoever, awful sounding <laughs> dirge. <laughs> <laughs> wishy-washy house we, I was actually on the same label as Urban Cookie Crew and they're nice guys but <laughs> I've just you know I've got the key I've got a secret it was an absolutely appalling record <laughs> fair <laughs> enough do you still see any of like obviously you say you're around in the interview in that field do you still see anyone from that yeah we, we, we I, I mean I I seen Neil quite a lot we was in New Zealand um, a couple of years ago we did a um, we did a Splore Festival over in New Zealand which was amazing and um, we played just before then. Um, that was when they just had the, the, the latest album out, which which was the first album because Neil and Paul obviously had split up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was the first album that they'd made separately. They'd gone their own way. Um, but, uh, you know, I still see Neil occasionally. I haven't seen Paul for a long time. He just seems to have disappeared and made himself a hermit. But I've got nothing but respect for him because yeah. he's a fantastic DJ. And I do think... And I don't think Neil will thank me for saying this. That Leftfield could really do with the, to them together to make the record. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think that that last album for me, you know, didn't touch rhythm and stealth or leftism in its in its um, inventiveness, yeah. in its forward thinking. Do you know what I mean? I guess that happens to any happens sort of songwriter. But no, yeah. and everything goes in peaks and troughs. I'm sure they learnt a lot from or Neil's learnt a lot from doing it. Um, I mean, I, what I would really like is maybe Darren Emerson to get together with Neil and, you know, now he's left Underworld and actually those two can make the uh, the next one. That's a super group album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a good call. So should we mention um, you're, you're running your own festival next year? Yeah. Um, Mucky Weekender. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Do you want to sort of... This won't, um, be, out, this won't be out until, like, February next year, so... Okay. Um, I mean... It, Obviously, we played every single festival going a million times, a million times, <laughs> and it's something that I've always wanted to do. And I come from a promoting background. Um, you know, I was involved in Shindig for a bit, and obviously, I've got the Ashworth dig in there, and it's Will from Shindig that I'm doing it with. Um, yeah, it's just something I've always wanted to do. I found a perfect piece of land on a friend's farm. Um, the first one's very much going to be a low-key event, you know, a couple of thousand, no more, I guess really more more like a um, 
a secret rave because I mean we've done a pre-register thing and that's already yeah. like oversold already so I think it really is going to be friends and family yeah. do you know what I mean so it's, it's like members of the Dark Pistols and yeah. you know we're just going to have a mucky weekend together do you know what I mean it's certainly not going to be a children's festival no. <laughs> <laughs> so you worked on um, in that respect I remember last Blissfuls last year that never unfortunately never came to be did yeah. that sort of plant the seed for you thinking you could yeah I mean I was you know I mean I I think Paul and Mel made the wrong decision I think they should have carried on I think there were only a few short and I think it's such a shame because it was such a good festival and, and you know they're such good eggs that I wish that they had carried that through but that was a massive disappointment for me because I'd obviously got involved and helped yeah. curate it and I think then personally I think they made the wrong decision but yeah that certainly drove me forward to do think I've got to do this do you know what I mean and it's now or never so you guys create curating the lineup entirely. yeah that's the plan I mean you know there's going to be a lot of Dub Pistols family there like I said you think about the amount of artists that yeah. we've recorded with over the years Rodney P Ragga Twins Navigator <coughs> and, and all the different bands like Kyoko and various other people that we work with I should imagine that, you know crazy you know, um, too many teas and beans on toast who you've got on there it's like I say it's going to be Dub Pistols and Friends yeah. do you know what I mean very much sort of in the in a vein of what we do we haven't got millions of pounds to spend on um, artists that I wouldn't want to book anyway so it's going to be very sort of carefully selected yeah. um, I guess the crowd like you say you've got the pre-register I guess the crowd will basically be that anyway. it's, it's, it's a Dub Pistols crowd they yeah. know what they're coming for you know it's called Mucky Weekend or it, is what it, it does what it says on the team <laughs> you know although really to be honest with you it's more a reference to how messy festivals uh, muddy festivals can get honest governor yeah. <laughs> that's the show <laughs> do you want to do your notable mentions then? yeah so like to be honest all the notable mentions especially in the albums it's basically Brit just Britpop what who Brit what it's, <laughs> just, it's just Britpop so it's Oasis and Pulp and Blur Radiohead yeah what do you what do you mean? What do you so want? that was the other in nineteen ninety five. That was the yeah. Other I was um, God. I was a massive um, Oasis fan. Do yeah. you know what I mean? More so than Blur. I think Blur. Uh, as I've got older, I've more appreciated Damon. Um, yeah. I've, I've had I've had many a time because he used to drink in the local pub in Portobello Road, so we used to hang out there. He's a lovely guy. Um, but I was more of an Oasis fan, more because of the attitude. Um, yeah. I love the songs. Do you know what I mean? I thought they were great. I've hung around with Noel many times. He's a lovely geezer. We got to open for Liam last year at Snowbombing. Um, you know, I thought the first two albums were fantastic. And I kind of like the angst between them anyway. Um, so, yeah. You know, I, yeah, Liam can be a bit of a knob, but can't we all? Yeah, fair, fair point. <laughs> um, yeah, so apart from that on the albums front, we've already mentioned Exit Planet Dust that came yeah. out the same year. Yeah. They were the ones that sort of. Pulp, that we I, was never, I mean, to. I mean, I loved, um, you know, some, whatever it was, Ease and Whiz. Sorry for Ease and Whiz. I thought that was a great song. Jarvis was a great um, lyricist and songwriter. Yeah. Um, but they, I can't say that they were, you know, they were more of an intellectual band um, than, than, than the things that I would necessarily be into. Not that I'm not intelligent. Um, <laughs> Highbrow pop, um, but yeah, it's highbrow pop. I thought you know, but I did like him. I, I you know, I mean, I, I kind of liked his persona. Um, like I said, Blur, I kind of grew into more. Um, 
I said, I, I, mean, I, I really loved um, uh, my ex-manager, God, God Helen Mead, took me to see um, a band called The Verve at the Borderline before they were big. And I was in, I was in, it was the first band I was in and she was managing me and she took me to see this band and I, and I, I watched them. It was one of the most powerful performances I'd ever seen yeah. and it kind of made me think, shit, I really need to go back and think about what I'm doing. <laughs> this is definitely going to be craft. a album that was on the back of it. Was um, Storm in Heaven? It was, be, it was before they'd even blown up so it yeah. had been the first record. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, um, love, I think uh, he was uh, out uh, of his uh, fucking uh, mind. It was when he was out of his mind. He was fucking. <laughs> he was completely out of his face. But it was. It was. Was seriously one of the most powerful performances I've ever seen. And it made me reconsider really everything. Yeah, and he, he. He was just like you know, he was something to be old and I, Yeah, you know and that 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 was for me was a great album. Um, again, he's a challenging character, but <laughs> you know, it was a good album. Yeah, yeah. What other ones were there? That's pretty much it for the albums. We always throw a couple of sort of like half comical ones in um, <laughs> so I think like the biggest single on doing my research the biggest single of the year was Gangster's Paradise really yeah that was the hit of that year okay and there's always one funny one right, there's always okay. one like half joke single mm-hmm. um, Bjork oh so quiet Bjork had an album that was in top 10 yeah. that year um, but it was the charts were pretty much dominated by Britpop yeah on right the, on going back and looking well, you've only got to tune into uh, absolute 90s now and um, <laughs> just hear Country know, House just, over yeah, and over again. Like, I mean, then we, you know, it's like any of those things that, you know, record labels get, um, record labels just end up going to trying to sign anybody who will sound like them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Then it just suddenly just gets a load of, ends up being washy and everything sounds the same. Do you know what I mean? The best bands split up. Do you know what I mean? I think there was a band, one of my favourite bands, um, were a band called Flowered Up. I don't know if you know Flowered Up. They did no. a track called Weekender. It's one of the best. It's 15 minutes long, but it was produced by Andy Weatherall. Um, <clears throat> and it's 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 basically it's called Weekender, and it's like you know the lyrics of Weekender: "Fuck off, fuck off, and die." I'm not hitting you. <laughs> and it, it got it went top 40 without any radio play. You should go and check it out. It's a yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's video. one of our favourite things about doing um, yeah. podcasts. But the, the, this this band, they were nothing but trouble. And they were they were London's answers to the Happy Mondays and um, Stone Roses, but they were they first of all they threw the best party I'd ever been to in a squat in um, in um, Greenwich that went on for three days before the police carried everyone out. It was just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, that was the best party I'd ever been to, and they made this fantastic record called Weekender, and it was their defining moment. And then they split up, and that was like the perfect yeah you know. Go out with a bang, do you know what I mean? Make this fucking ultimate record and leave. Yeah, it's yeah. one way to start. Yeah, yeah, you go check it out. Yeah, yeah. I've got a video as well to go with it because there's there's lots of subliminal. A friend of mine, Wiz, directed it, and there's lots of subliminal messages. It's, like, it's kind of like Quadrophenia for the E generation. It's very much a rip off of Quadrophenia. <laughs> it's quite a claim. Feel. But there's a scene where where um, one of them's lying in a bath and there's a Dennis the Menace the pills at the time of Dennis the Menaces and there's one pill there's a Dennis the Menace <laughs> laying next to him in the bath and so yeah it's, it's self-explanatory yeah <laughs> nice well done we'll look it up. yeah well yeah definitely we sort of do a Spotify playlist of all the songs that you've cool. mentioned there you um, go and we'll, we'll definitely sort that one out and yeah. add it to the playlist cool um, but yeah that's kind of where we like to wrap things up really well, there you go um, is there any like sort of social media links that you want to put yeah, out yeah I mean you know obviously um, if anyone's there and they want to go sign up to our website because obviously Facebook's being full of fucktards and <laughs> making it harder and harder for people yeah. to see your posts so if you 
if you can go and sign up to our website, you know, dubpistolsmusic.co.uk. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. Um, like I said, but yeah, definitely you can go sign up yeah, to go. the webpage, really. Yeah, we'll and and obviously keep your eye out for our forthcoming eighth album, Dark Days, Dark Times, which should okay. be in the shots by sometime next year. Okay, well, this will be out sometime next year, so <laughs> there you go. We'll see what comes out first. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah, thanks for doing it. Cool.